think if, if producers listen to music like that, which is kind of stripped back, it's like minimalistic in a way, really helps. And rather than having like 15 different uh, layered sounds to create one sound, we can just have, you know, three or four to make the same one and it can work. But, I mean, at the end of the day, people learn that with experience. I, I, I certainly did and, and, and it's helped me a lot now. What is up, producers and musicians and anyone else who listens to the EDM podcast? I know that it's not just producers. I've had a few people email me saying they're vocalists or uh, lecturers, tutors, teachers, you name it. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's a more diverse audience than than I thought there was. Uh, with that said, most of you are producers, 95%. Uh, just got back from Croatia sunny Croatia, 30 degrees Celsius every day, which was awesome. Uh, hung out with Booty, Serik, Hyperbits, who I'm sure you will know. They've both been on the podcast twice, in fact, so you should go listen to those episodes if you haven't already because they are fantastic. And got back to New Zealand about a week ago and the weather was terrible. It was windy, rainy and about 8 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Probably should, since most of you are based in the US, but um, you're just going to have to work it out yourselves. But now that I'm back, it means the podcast is back too. Uh, and this episode is episode 38. It is with someone called Marcus Santoro. Uh, he's a Melbourne-based producer, trance, progressive, that kind of thing. Uh, he's 20 years old, quite young, and he's had releases on labels like Revealed, Sony, Ultra, Armada, and recently Enhanced Progressive. Uh, he's also been played on Above and Beyond's Group Therapy Radio Show multiple times. That is his, his latest release called There Is Only You. Uh, we talk a lot about the the process behind making that track, uh, as well as the kind of cool story about how it got released. In addition to that, we talk about the importance of simplicity, uh, why patience is something that Marcus thinks is important for new producers, and the importance of listening as well and I've talked about listening before I've written a blog post on it called the necessity of listening uh, but we talk about how listening is one of those things you should be doing as a producer um, beyond just producing you know like the most important thing is to spend time making music but beyond that what's the next most important thing probably listening to music uh, and so for instance if you're struggling to make a build-up you should listen to 10 different build-ups from 10 professionally produced songs, analyze what they're doing, figure out what elements they're using, all that kind of stuff. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, uh, let me know what you think on Twitter at EDMProd. And I think that's it. Let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back everyone to the EDM podcast. Today I'm with Marcus Santoro. Marcus, how's it going? Great man, how's it going? Going well, very well indeed. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations on hitting, was it number eight on the Beatport Trance chart? Yeah. That is phenomenal. That's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, it's very overwhelming, I guess, at the moment, man. It's really cool. Yeah. I want to talk about that track in a moment, uh, but for those listening who don't know who you are, tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about your background. How did you get into music? What's the journey look like so far? All that fun stuff. 
Well, my name is Marcus Santoro and I am a 20-year-old producer and DJ from Melbourne, Australia. And my background in the EDM world is primarily progressive house and trance music. Um, my background with music, it started basically, well, since I could remember, um, I, I was very, you know, heavily around disco and, uh, and a lot of rock sort of music growing up as a kid. My, my father was a DJ in the, uh, the late seventies and early eighties. And that kind of was, you know, brought into, into the household. And, um, so I grew up with music and, you know, vinyls my, my entire life. Um, which was really cool. Um, the dance side of it all came when I was around 2004. And um, I have a fair bit of like a big sort of family. I come from an Italian background. Mm. And uh, my cousins were showing me a, a DVD of, of DJ Tiesto. And that's what kind of, what I, when I saw that, you know, I remembered my dad was a DJ. So I was like, wow, you know, but this on the, on the global scale was incredibly huge. And, um, I always, as soon as I saw that that DVD, I was just like, "Wow, you know, I want to do this. I want to, I want to be able to, you know, show my love for music to the masses." And that was like what inspired me to be a DJ. What made me want to produce music was uh, when I first listened to Dirty South, who uh, needs no introduction, really. Um, he's always been the the my go to sort of guy for for production and. Just main inspiration. He's 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 great, you know, and, and everything he does. That's what inspired me to make music, and uh, so I'm always going to look back on him and, and and a lot of the Swedish guys as well, like Axwell, uh, Sebastian Ingrosso, and um, you know, above and beyond as well for the for my trance inspiration. They they were always there, so they've been around for years with me, my music, and it's great to finally put it all together and, and share it with the world. So that's basically where I come from in in the in the EDM world. Fantastic, and and you're 20 now, which is young. What do you know? What age this was when you when you started getting into production, DJing? I started to DJ when I was around 11 years old. Wow! I, I had a close family friend of mine who was around 15 at the time. Hmm. Had a you know a pair of CDJ 800s, and it was just really cool to go there and and, and you know to his house and just like you know fool around on the decks and have fun with it. And, and that was basically how I first started to DJ. It was nothing serious, it was for fun. Mm-hmm. But um, my, f- my, my passion for obviously, you know, DJing started then um, because I was obviously in, in the middle of it all. I could, you know, play for the mixer and, and learn how to beat match and, and all that stuff. Um, production came when I was around year seven in, in school. I was, I think it was about, been about 13, 14 years old. Uh, discovered that during a music making uh class really and um i took it obviously from my interest with music and then i took it all home with me and just dedicated my life to it you know, i've been doing it ever since and tried to make it as full-time as i possibly can and yeah i mean my my first sort of major show as a dj would have been when i was 15 mm. uh, we played an underage show in sydney um at the sydney olympic park which is a really iconic yeah, yeah. And um, it was it was really cool. I mean, the experience I'll never forget that. But uh, since then, I've obviously gone on to to doing some really amazing things. Very early on, I guess you can say, as you said, I'm I'm, I'm 20. I guess look, for me, age is just the number. But um, it's it's really interesting to see how quickly you can do it. I guess if you put your mind to it, and um, obviously if you have a strong passion for something, then then that's obviously the main thing for me. Yeah. So DJ and production, it kind of started off as a DJ first, but nothing really substantial. And then production followed. And that obviously took my, my, you know, my main focus into, into the world. So, yeah. Right. For sure. I've asked a few people this and I get different answers each time, but do you think DJing aided you as a producer in any way? Yeah, look, I, I think so. Because for me, it helped me understand how different genres worked. I, I started to DJ trance music first before house. Okay. Uh, prim- pretty much because I was, as I had you know, mentioned before, I I'd first watched the you know, Tiesto DVD and he was doing trance at the time and it was that more uplifting sort of, you know, 134, 138 BPM stuff. So I started listening to that um, and tried to put that into my sort of mixing and stuff. Um, I never attempted to produce 
that sort of music at all until, you know, past couple of, of years. Um, but I, I definitely think it helped. And then I, from trance, I, I modeled into the more electro house, 2006, sort of 2007, uh, ministry of sound, sort of one love sort of, uh, oh, vibe. The, the golden days, the golden days. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I was just lis- listening to them with my brother the other day. So it was, it's amazing to go back on that. Yeah. Um, and then that led into the more progressive house. I, I also had DJ Hardstyle, um, okay. yeah, which is a is a whole nother story, I guess. But um, I think learning how to DJ these different styles of music helped me understand the genres a lot more in terms of arrangement and production and, and putting them in together. So when I did decide to eventually jump into that world, I, I kind of knew what I was doing rather than just me listening to a bunch of different songs and trying to put my sort of, you know, taste on, 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 on it all, so to speak. So I think it does help in, in that sense. I mean, everyone is different though. So everyone could start off with production. It doesn't make you any less different as a DJ, so to speak, in, in my, in my view. Right. For sure. Uh, I want to talk about your, your latest release. You know, you've been making progressive house music for a while, like revealed recordings, you've had a release on, uh, ultra, that kind of stuff. But your latest release, There Is Only You, that's more, it's more trancey, you know, like trance 2.0, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I don't know what they call it these days. Uh, <laughs> what made you decide to jump into the trance world and how did that track come about? Um, it's a very interesting story. I, I, it only just happened, um, I would say, the start of last month, which is which will be in August. So mm. um, to be honest with you, I was going through a bit of an identity crisis uh, at the start of this year. Um, it was all about like last year I had a lot of um, experience on the road. I was touring, I was, you know, playing these super cool venues and, and headlining a lot of big clubs around Australia. And it was great. And I had, at the time my sound was very progressive house, but it was also fused with the crossover sort of pop direction. Mm. And that was a really amazing thing, but I I wanted to try something that was going to work for me, and it just didn't seem to be connecting with people here in in Australia. It was it was working really well overseas, but I guess you know you have to figure out where you where you lie first in, in your home in your hometown, mm. or in your home country. And for me, it was just well, and I really do you know love that sort of music. What made me want to go to do like right there is only you was uh, well the trance music so to speak was. You know, I grew up with trance as a kid and, and that was my first sort of genre, as I had mentioned before. Um, and it felt right to kind of start developing a you know, new, new sort of approach and a changing my sound and my brand without actually having to change my name and, and going by a completely new different alias. So I thought about it uh, very, very much before releasing the record, uh, but I didn't want people to just think Marcus Santoro was one genre. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mark Santora as as a brand um, and as a, as, a, as a DJ and as, as an artist, I think is I want him to be known as more than just one sound. And I think the the beauty about me going into a more progressive trance field is that I'm not exactly changing that much. People can still hear my influence on my records from listening to my past tracks. I I think anyway. So the way that record sort of came about was just yeah, me wanting to see. Uh, a new different, you know, uh, give me a, like a new facelift, so to speak. Uh, I wanted to, to hear change and I, I felt like I did it appropriately. Um, the record, the actual process came around really organically as well. I, I didn't actually put any pressure on this record. It was inspired by people, you know, that I was, I was associating with and, and um, obviously the title itself has, has a bit of meaning to it, but yeah, you know, it, it kind of worked out well. And once I finished the record, I, I, I knew where it had to go straight away. And it only took me a, a day and a half to, to write the whole track. I was just wow. super, yeah, I, well, my, I was just super inspired. And I guess as, as a producer, you know, and a lot of producers will know, like if you're in that mode, you just want to keep working on your track. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you lose, if, if you take a couple of days, you kind of, you know, uh, you lose sort of sight of where you want it to go. In, in this case, I just, woke up, jumped on the computer, start writing, and then, you know, the, the next day the record was finished, it was ready to send off. I, I felt I, I wasn't rushing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been wrong in the past, but this track just, it felt right. So I decided to send it to Anjuna Beats first. I sent it to them and um, 
not as a demo, just as to send to above and beyond to see if they would support for uh, the ABGT shows. And uh, they, I, they got back to me a week later. They really loved the track and and had told me that Above and Beyond would premiere the record. At the time, the label wasn't the track wasn't signed to a label. Yeah. Um, so Above and Beyond had premiered the the record on Group Therapy, um, which was incredible for me as a debut. And um, the following days, uh, Enhanced picked it up. I sent it to them first and I said, you know, I'd, I'd love for you guys to release this record. And they came back and, and really loved it. And then we got two extra plays on Above and Beyond two weeks before the release. And I think that's what kind of really helped it. And, and a lot of there's a lot of hype over this release, I think. And, and it was good because I had been quiet for, for so long. You know, I wasn't really releasing any music. I, I was, I didn't tell anyone what I was making. I just decided to just do it. And a lot of people uh, on social media and, and, and just people that I, you know, I, I know really well, they, they said, this is, this is great. You know, this is a new direction for you. It's really fresh. It's, it's, it's there, you know, and it felt right. Um, so that's what kind of what made me want to do it. It just, it, it worked out really well. And, and I guess, yeah, um, at the moment, I mean, proof's in the pudding, I guess, you know, it, it hit top 10 on, on trance, but the top 100 and I can't really ask for anything better as a debut release. It must be validating, you know, you're, you have this kind of crisis and you branch out and I know for a lot of people that can be terrifying, um, making yeah, a different style, yeah. but, but the fact that it's done so well, yeah, it must be validating, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's extremely validating. I, um, I was very nervous because... I wasn't sure if people would accept me into in that world mm. straight away. Like I had no, like as I said, I, I hadn't told anyone that I was making this music. I just decided to do it, and and um, you know, it wasn't until I posted the record that Above and Beyond had supported it that I was making trance. Um, but I, obviously, yeah, I mean, when it came out, I I did want to make a statement. I when the record did come out, I was like, well, I, it's out now. It's a fresh start for me. I do want to see it do well. So I, I had a lot of support from everyone back in the song. Uh, I think that's what helped it rise into the charts very quickly. But to see everyone from around the world, like on Enhanced, uh, like their, their, their audience and their their fans and stuff, they really accepted the record and, and loved it. And that was, for me, really good. And the, and it's still going strong, you know. The, and even the DJ support as well, like Cosmic Gate, you know, Marcus Schultz, they're childhood heroes that I grew up yeah. listening to and they're, they're – playing my first trance record you know for me that was like you know really really incredible i was i was speechless when i when i saw that and um yeah it's just really cool man i mean it's i hope that i can continue obviously doing that and and, and keep making other you know people happy with the music i made yeah yeah absolutely uh let's dive into the technical aspect of the song though you know there's this this bass line works really well for percussion how's that all put together because I think one of the most common struggles, especially with uh, with trance producers or this style of trance anyway, is making the bass lines. Oh, yeah. Look, for me, um, I'm still getting a grip about it all. I've got a lot of support now from a lot of the progressive trance producers that I'm, um, I'm talking with, and mm. um, which is really cool. So they're helping me kind of make it sound where it needs to go. At the same time, I want to put my own spin on it, so I don't want to follow a, a sort of, you know, a, a guideline. Sure, yeah. Um, because I still want to be known as that. I still want people to to know that I am still there in the house world as well. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still making, you know, progressive house on the side. I'm still making trance on the side. It's just a whole new thing, you know. And um, mm. in terms of the baseline, I had sampled it from a, a, a like a one shot uh, sample pack that I, I yeah, had, yeah. and then I just doubled it with several synths to just beef it up a little bit and to give it a bit of extra groove. So for that, I, I helped that obviously had assisted me, um, you know, processing with the distortions and, and just like, I, it was just more mainly saturation that helped kind of give it some life. Uh, but yeah, the, the core sort of sub base is, um, is like a distorted sawtooth, which is uh, just a one shot sound. Um, and then I just, as I said, yeah, layered it with like multiple synths, which, uh, created the whole core of that and then that was for the intro baseline the main baseline with the chords was uh just the, was basically a baseline that i had taken from my my house music that i just tweaked and, and you know changed it up a little bit i like that and what about the the chords the super saw uh yeah a lot of people have asked me about that um 
basically, I because I, the, the music that I, I do with the house music is it, like the, the big room stuff. I I've, I go by a lot of power chords and, you know, mm. example, you know, would be calling Sebastian Grosso and Alesso. Mm. Um, there's something, you know, like the, the backing sort of sounds and, and it's really cool. Um, like Dub Vision would be a beautiful example of, of how they, you know, get their chords sounding super big in the mix. And I wanted to do something like that. And I know that progressive trance is primarily based on how good the chords can stand that in your mix and stuff and, yeah. and well, in, in, as a genre as well. So for me, it was just a layer. I think it was about three or four layers or what, well, well, maybe about five. I'm not sure I don't have the project up in front of me at the moment. But um, it was just Silent One and there was also, I think, uh, One Nexus. Yep. Uh, but basically the sounds are just between, there's, there's a mixture between pads and with like the release down all the way so you get like that lead sound um, and just some detuned sound. And then had, I like to use a lot of organic sort of instruments, uh, sounds like strings, uh, very minor in the mix. They they dropped back a lot, but uh, they help give it some some warmth and add. Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes too digital, and I don't want my music to sound too digital. Um, so that's why if you hear in a lot of my progressive house releases, I always have like a violin layered over my 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 synths, like my synth my leads and stuff like that. It helps give it some room and creates it more of a natural sound. And that's what I did with this record as well. I said, well, I'm not going to have a main melody in this record. Uh, it's just going to be straight chords. So I need to make sure that it does sound natural and, and the reverb is right. You know, all the, all the, all that sort of stuff in terms of technicalities and the mix downs, I'm, I'm pretty simple with my, with my mix. Um, I don't like to get too technical and, and too involved. I like to just make sure that I've chosen the right sounds um, make sure that they're clean, that they work. And if, if that works and my ears are happy, then I'm not really fussed whether my mix is, you know, how much processing, yeah, yeah. like how much compression. Like, these days I'm not really using anything. I'm just using really nice sounds. Well, I think are nice sounds. And um, it helps it so much. And especially when I do come to the mix and master stage, it's a lot easier to work with rather than a whole heap of sounds put together and my, you know, my mixing chains are, are off the charts. You know, I'd rather have something nice and simple to go by. It it creates a lot more of a, I think, natural experience producing. I'm so glad that you said that because I feel like people overcomplicate the mixing process. You know, like especially making electronic music, you don't need to do that much in terms of processing, uh, unless you're working with vocals and recording vocals. Like, you pull in a good sample, you high pass it if you need to. Sometimes that's all you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't believe that you need to, you know, go over the top with processing. I feel like it. The, if you layer correctly and you're, you know, EQing just the right amount, then I th- and even EQing as well. I think a lot of producers get a like a lot of the young up and comers as well that you know have that send their records to me and and stuff like that. You know, that they always like mid-side EQing and, and parallel mm. processing, like they're real technical things. I don't even really dwell into those. I I, I need I do if I need to, but r- rarely do I mid-side and, e- like, you know, you, you use mid-side EQ or, or French-style compression or, you know, parallel mm. processing. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's, it, it's interesting to think that a lot of producers who are, you know, up and coming – think they need to do this yeah reality, they don't really need to like i've always done stuff my own way i mix really loudly you know i don't i don't mix like i don't use limiters on my master i don't even have anything on my master my mix is just super loud um and and everyone i i send my music to for feedback or whatever they like you know how is your mix super loud and it's not even mastered well mm. I, I couldn't honest, honestly i couldn't tell them because that's the only way i knew yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only way I, I, you know, my kick is always sitting at minus one or minus two in the mix. It never drops below minus three or four. And a lot of producers I know say we put our kick at minus six, mm-hmm. and you know, the, and 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 then we base everything around that. I'm like, well, I try doing that. I can't. I, I, my my ears unhappy. I need my kick to be really loud while I'm producing, and <laughs> and, and and it works out well. I'm, I've never had a problem with a with a bad mix down. I mean. When it when it comes to me releasing music, it's it, like "There Is Only You" was mixed super loud, and 
the obviously the mastering came into it and 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 there was a lot of headroom for the engineers to to do mm. but um i mean it, it came out really happy I, I was super happy with the way it came out and it, it doesn't seem to have any problem <laughs> why why do you think that you know a lot of upcoming producers feel the need to use all these techniques well so it's, it's it's it is an interesting question i mean like i i always question myself that um, mm. because I don't do that. And I feel like, well, if people do, well, put, I, I used to make my music fairly complex. Mm. Um, it's not that it, it, it was because I was, I wanted to have a lot of attention to detail or anything like that. Like I do love detailing production. I just think it needs to be simplified. Um, producers, a lot of the up and comers, I feel like they think the way they're going to stand out is, by doing something over the top, uh, having something that is, is just unnecessary. Um, and, and from, by me explaining that would be, you know, having the, an over compressed sort of kick drum, they think it works because mm-hmm. they want to, ex- they want to try to explain to people that, you know, I've got all this stuff on my, on my baseline to make it, you know, super, super process. But in reality, is it going to sound any good if I'm playing it out in a club? It, and and um, I know it, it doesn't really make much much sense. I've not really explained myself clear. No, no, I understand. It's just um, you know, obviously, I feel in this day and age, people, a lot of young kids come in and they want to do something super cool, but like they don't know how they they don't. I don't think they're doing it the right way, or they don't see what they're doing wrong. I mean, there is no right or wrong in production. I'm not a genius. I'm not the best producer or DJ in the world, but I think my understanding of it is a little bit more like. Simplicity for me is key and, you know, less is more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've always taken that into consideration, especially the past year and a bit with my production. I, I had to just, I decided, you know, my melodies used to be really sort of complex and I decided to, like, well, pre-production, they were very, you know, complex and obviously the final results were a lot simplified. But when I was making music, I got stuck on ideas because I was going too much with them. Mm. And um, it wasn't until I pulled the ideas back and I pulled the sounds back and I made them really natural and and just I let the music kind of take hold. It worked out a lot better. And and that's when I you know I, for example I look back on Dirty South's productions. He's very you know he pinpoints exactly what he needs to do with his sounds. You can hear a mm. Dirty South record. It sounds really good. It, it sounds you know really good and super effective in the mix and the mastering is great and the mixing is great, but the sounds are really, they're all there. They're natural, you know, and, and it makes the track sound second to none. And for the trance sort of thing, I mean, Andrew Bayer happens to to be one of the guys in that genre that I look at for mix downs. He, you know, he pinpoints exactly oh, where yeah. to go and it's really cool. And I think if, if producers listen to music like that, which is kind of stripped back, it's like minimalistic in a way mm. really helps. And, Rather than having like, you know, fifteen different uh, layered sounds to create one sound, where you can just have, you know, three or four to make the same one, and it can work. But I mean, at the end of the day, people learn that with experience. I, I, I certainly did, and 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 it's helped me a lot now. Yeah, I think that's crucial. I mean, there there certainly is a place for complex music. I mean, you look at someone like BT or Cone Sound, all those kind of guys. The music they make is incredible, but just because something isn't complex, it doesn't mean it isn't good. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of people miss and they add for the sake of adding, you know. Uh, I think Porter Robinson talked about it. He, he used a term, I could be wrong on this, uh, production porn instead of making music. Like it's, it's like you're making music for producers, you know, and all they think is, oh, this is amazing that you've made this so complex, but most listeners don't care. They just want to hear a good melody or a good vocal, a good arrangement. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's all it is. I mean, the music should matter first, and and you know everything else that comes in. It's just it's it's. I mean, look as, as you said, there is place like look at Skrillex, a very complex mm. artist, you know. And and I think if you're making that style of music, you need to go really over the top. But if you're making stuff like you know progressive house or trance or even you know techno, listen to a lot of techno. I'm a big techno lover, and there's a mm. and there's a lot of techno which is just it's obviously a very repeated genre but it works yeah and and what makes it so special and so good is the sounds all working together 
and they execute perfectly. And, and that's why, you know, I, I would get inspiration from techno to make my trance music. And, and, and it's like, well, they're two completely two different genres, but I like to take the, the simplicity, but the, the detail of a great techno track and throw it into example, there is only you, but obviously that you can't compare the two, but uh, you know, if insane, like I like to put the details in, in my records, like I would with a techno song, for example. I love that. I love that. This might be a bit of a hard question, but what is a production technique that you believe is underrated? Underrated? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, a lot of my production techniques are super simple, mm-hmm. um, but I feel layering would be for me because I, I layer. I like to layer a lot. Um, that's probably my strongest thing. Um so I think layering is a little bit underrated because a lot of producers think layer. Well, let, let me go back to that layering with real sort of instrument sounds like example, strings, pianos, uh, a nice guitar. I think in, in electronic music, it's, it, it's very underrated in the process because everyone wants to have real big, thick synths, but they don't realize what goes into that. You know, like what makes a, and I, and I, I heard this in an interview with above and beyond is, you know, synths in, in records can go outdated very quickly, you know, whereas a nice organic instrument like a guitar or a piano, it's timeless. You know, you hear it in every song. Why can't you hear it in a dance record? And a lot of producers want to make dance music, but they don't exactly think about that. And I think it's very, it's, it's an underrated technique to use, a, you know, and will layer your synth with, you know, like a, a nice acoustic or electronic piano, for example. I like to use an electric piano a lot in my records. It gives it a lot of room and, and it helps so much. And then layering that with a nice, you know, trancey pad, takes your track from, you know, A to B really quickly. And, yeah. and rather than having a, a sub bass filling up all the low end in your mix, you can get that same really nice rich result from a nice electronic piano or electric piano um, laid with a nice, you know, atmospheric sound and it, and it works. But a lot of people don't really do that. And I, I feel that's what obviously separates good tracks from, from great tracks. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, for me, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I always follow that sort of that that technique. I'm always using if in any in any style of music like track that I'm doing, you're always going to hear, even if you don't hear it at all. There's always going to be a real sort of instrument based track. Obviously, this still synthesized within the within your door, but you know, there's always going to be a string. There's always going to be violins, pianos, or something. If even if you don't hear it in the mix, doesn't mean it's not there. I like that a lot, uh, and you mentioned the human element that it adds, which is interesting because the other day I was watching a it's like a five minute video about Interstellar, Hans Zimmer. Uh, yeah. He made that theme, and Christopher Nolan came to him and said, "Here's like he wanted him to be super creative, so I didn't tell him what the film was going to be about. He just said he just gave him like a scene, like there's going to be a father and his son. Of course, it ended up being a daughter." Uh, and so Hansima went away. He made this thing, uh, composed something on the piano, and they decided to use an organ for the main sound because an organ is like inherently human. You know, it uses air to make a sound. Um, and so they decided to use that because it sounded human and it needed to sound human to fit the film or like the story that was going on. Um, so, bit of a tangent, but I thought that was super cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, 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 you know, I love listening to a lot of that sort of music as well. I love listening to ambient sort of records and soundtracks. I'm a big fan of movies, um, and I love the scores like Hans Zimmer and and uh, a lot of those guys. I mean, there's one name that comes into into mind uh, who does write for movies, but the name has gone at the moment. But yeah, for someone like Hans Zimmer, it's for example, time from Inception. It's oh yeah, you know it's a, that for me that's timeless in, in in its own way. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing, and I, I love to look at that for inspiration. You know, I go to that like uh, even a lot of music by M83 and 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 a lot of those guys who do like that sort of synth pop. It's uh, it's it's really cool, and I love all that sort of style 
music. You know, John C, for example, I think he's from Poland or, or something like that. He's he's one of my favorites as well. So like, yeah, Hans Zimmer and, and those guys like they're great. And Hans like yeah, they but they all have human sort of vibes. You know, what's mm-hmm. as I you know human sounds in their in their records. It helps the music so much more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Got to switch gears for a moment. I haven't asked this question before, uh, so this is a bit of a test. If someone had six months to become a decent producer, and I use that word carefully, what would you suggest they do? What would be the best way to practice or learn other than to spend a lot of time making music? That is a very interesting question. Um, Well... I guess we, you know, the best way to to learn is just by constantly producing. I mean, but at the same time, you can learn how to be a better producer without actually touching your software. Um, and I'll elaborate with that because I have done that before. Okay. I, I feel like by me wanting to be better requires me to not do nothing about it. Um, and and it's, it sounds interesting when I say that it doesn't really make much sense uh, but basically I like to get my the way I make my music is from help from you know everything around me I don't play an instrument or anything like that so I rely purely on my ears to, to kind of work mm. um, and so I require basically just me and my creativity whether it's super out there or super different and, and I'm not going to say that I, I make the most creative ideas you know I, a lot of my stuff is modeled off other producers but it's my own sort of twist. Uh, for me, the best way to learn if, if, if you're given six months and you're not making any music, I think it's just to listen to a lot of music and figure out what exactly you, you do. Like close your eyes, listen to an instrumental and write down every single sound you hear. Then, you know, once you figure out what they've used, you know, acoustic instruments, you know, acoustic toms, acoustic snares, kicks, different sort of sounds, you know, finger snaps, et cetera, all different percussions, and then going to a baseline, figure out was that a pulse wave, was that a sine wave, was it a saw wave, you know, taking all that into consideration without actually opening up a, you know, a, a synthesizer and, and uh, you know, trying it for yourself, train your ears to do it. I think when you do jump on to your, you know, to your door and your software and you have that knowledge and you think you can redo it. And I think that helps you a lot more, especially for ideas. Um, and I have done that before. I think it has helped me create a lot of music that I would never have pictured doing. Um, or, or you can just jump on, jump on your, you know, jump on your computer and, and, and read about things. I, I like to read a lot about, you know, different sort of speaker units and, and monitors and stuff like that. I, I've like spent, you know, hundreds of dollars on magazines <laughs> in the past, you know, just like sound on sound and computer music magazine and all that stuff, mix mag. It's, it's really, and all that's really informative if you're not producing, like during the summer times for me is when I'm kind of not producing music. So, but I'm still always learning. Mm. Um, and I think that helps me when I, you know, when I do jump back in the studio and I'm ready to write another record, I kind of know where I want to go and it helps me a lot more. So I think if, if people were to do that or j- just basically find something that helps you, you know, tackle all these, all these different solutions. Yeah. I like that. And so, so listen attentively. Yeah. It exactly. was the first one. Yeah. Which is super helpful. And I, I get, I'm amazed at how few people do it. You know, it's, it seems like, like to me, it's one of the, for instance, like I'll get emails from people and they say, um, I don't know how to put a build up together. And it's like, if you listen to 10 songs and you listen to 10 build ups, you would be able to pick out what elements they're using. Exactly right. You know? I got asked that the other day when, you know, someone was like, I'm having trouble putting together a build up. I'm just like, they go, you know, how could you go about doing that? Could you give me some advice? And, and, and that was exactly what I said. I said, just listen to a lot of different build ups from different mm-hmm. records. And, and you'll just see that they, there's always, you know, generally a snare roll. There's always a lot of uplifting sort of effects and, and just, you know, listening to all that and you can, and you can just put that into your head and you think, okay, well, if, if that's if A lot of people, I think they have the, the, the elements in their song, but it doesn't kind of fit. And I think it's because maybe the sounds that they use, if, if you're not 
if if your sounds aren't going together in unison, you are going to experience problems. That's why I think a lot of my stuff works really well because I like to make other sounds complement one another. Like example, I, I wouldn't use a real punchy snare if I'm making a nice sort of chilled record, mm. or I wouldn't use a super heavy kick if I'm trying to make a nice groovy, you know, electro ele- electro sort of based tune. Like I wouldn't really go smack bang putting in like a, you know, like a real hardcore techno kick into a, well, a big room kick, you know, big sort of mm-hmm. kick drum in, 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 a, in, a, in a nice sort of relaxed track. And a lot of people do that not because uh, they don't know what they're doing, it's because they think it's, it works. And I think that's what doesn't work. And I think so if you have sounds that complement each other, example for a build-up, you will see that there is a lot more, you know, of, of, of progress rather than you putting in a bunch of sounds and still not getting anywhere, you know, because you just have everything that's all messy. So things happen yeah. together. Yeah, I like that. You've got like a, a reference point, you know, something to, <laughs> something to model against. I always look at referencing off other people. As I said, I, I like to model my records of other producers that I love and it helps me so much rather than me just jumping in there and seeing where I'm going to go. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so in the same vein, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes new producers make? Or what are some of the biggest mistakes you see new producers making? Again, pretty interesting. Uh, I think it would be, I, would, I wouldn't say production-wise, I would say producers getting too excited too quickly. Interesting. And- I want to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, like they're getting when when they have it when they think they have a record that's ready to put out. Mm. Um, I mean, because production, I, I I'm not going to say that. You know, some mistakes that I I you know might say are the ones that I would do. I'm I'm gonna you know I make plenty of mistakes you know daily in, in when I'm making records. So I think I, I won't exactly go into that. I would say um, because I don't, I do not believe there is a right or wrong way. I think it's just trial and error. Yeah, yeah. I think that like a science ex- science experiment, um, you're either going to get the outcome you want or it's not going to work. So the more you do it, the, you know, the sooner you're going to get your result. Um, so I think, but mainly it's post-production that I think a lot of producers stuff up in. Marketing and everything like that. Like I, Again, I'm not the best marketing guru. I, I don't know anything about that stuff. But like... Um, I do know I have made mistakes in the past when I, you know, back in 2011 when I made my first record and I wanted to sign it to to a label so I could get on Beatport. <laughs> everyone's been there, yeah. Yeah, you know, everyone's <laughs> done that. And like, I look back on now and just think, you know, how ironic is it that my first track is called I'll Never Forget? <laughs> yeah, I look back on that oh, now. Man. Wow, my first record, my first proper release was called I Will Never Forget. <laughs> like, obviously, I'm never going to forget that. But like, I think a lot of producers are doing that now and, and they're, they're always going to do that because they feel that if you're on Port or you're on Spotify or iTunes, you're going to get somewhere, yeah. you know, and, and it's just not true. Like I, I learned that the hard way and you can, you can in this day and age, I mean, it's such an oversaturated business that, you know, you can fail without even having put out your first track. So I think people just have to be a bit more, you know, in, in some ways street smart. Uh, about what they're putting up on SoundCloud, um, you know, starting with free downloads is a great way, and I, I think that's it's something that I want to get more into myself. Um, but like, yeah, it's just those things kind of I think are the biggest mistakes I would point out is that they if, if they think a, a, a track is ready when it's not, um, and they put it up, and then people are always going to criticize on on a good you know sounding song, so. Mm. If the track's not there and you as a producer, you know, are not mature enough yet in, in terms of taking feedback and criticism, well, it can affect you pretty pretty quickly. So I think the best thing to do is is just like, you know, work on your music for months, years even, until you think it's ready to go. And I think the only way to do that is by, you know, is just by experience and obviously getting the feedback from people. I mean, I've put up music in the past. I put up, you know, this year's probably been my biggest year for free downloads. And there was one I put up a couple of months ago called uh, 
called Comeback. And um, it was received really well, but there was a lot of people who didn't really like the direction I took. Uh, and I, I didn't get upset about it. It was just, you know, that was something that you have to – it's always going to happen. And even the biggest in the game, they get tarnished all the time. So oh, yeah. you, just, you have to learn that. So that's for me – if we're talking about this in this way, I think that is what I would say about it. Yeah, I like that. I, I think, would you say it's it's uh, that patience is a good trait to have then as yes, a new producer? And for me, look, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a patient person. I I love to always, I always want to work and I always want to do stuff. You know, I always want to be mm. making music and I, I want to always put things out. I, if I finish a record, like I've got my EP coming out on – the 11th of November and I wrote this EP a month ago. So like, yeah. I, I really want to get it out and I'm just like, well, you know, I really want to get this out. I want to get this out, but I can't force that. Um, I just got to keep making music. So what, what I do is just, yeah, but keep making music. And eventually before you know it, I mean, we're in September already um, before you know, it's going to be 2017. It's going to be a whole new year. So um, I think patience is key. Uh, and it took me a long time to realize that, um, I have accepted it now. Well, I think when I started, I was very naive. I just wanted to always see results very quickly, and, and that's what affected me. Um, and I became, I guess, I put, put it this way, I look at a lot of upcoming producers and I see a lot of myself from when I first started. And um, I don't obviously want to, 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 to make those people make the same mistakes that I did, especially, you know, we're signing the wrong record deals and stuff like that. And, and it can go sour pretty quickly. And I, I, I want to help as much people as I can. So I'm always responding to people and, and, and giving them detailed feedback and, and, and I guess advice. You know, I mean, I'm not there yet. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I've made it yet, but I've mm-hmm. certainly had experienced a lot of things very early on. And I, I think if I can help other people, especially, you know, young kids, like, 15, 16 year old producers. I think that's great, you know, cause I was once one of them. And I think, you know, if, if you, if you're given the gift to do all this stuff, I, I feel like, and you, and you have the connections to how people get signed to big labels and stuff. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not a healthy thing. Like it's, no one should be greedy about it. Everyone should be helping each other. Like, um, I'm sure you know of Will K. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my best friends in, in, in this, in this industry and, and in general. And I feel like, you know, we've helped each other's, come you know from since 2012 when we first met and you know we've collaborated you know heaps of times on tracks that we'll probably never see the light of day um but like we've just always helped each other and given each other support and you know given you know emails to it to to people other djs so i feel like you know and that helps us obviously keep a, a strong friendship and, and it's it, it just helps everyone kind of you know be a little bit more happier with with what they're doing if, if you keep it to yourself then you know and and, and you and you feel like you, you, you could help people. Why not? Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that, man. That's awesome. Uh, two quick questions and then we'll wrap this up. If you could collaborate with one person, who would it be and why? I would say, I have to say Dirty South. Yeah. Um, I, I would say Dirty South any day of the week. I mean, he, he's, he's, as I said, you know, at the very start of this, I think he, you know, he's the reason why I started making music. And, um, he's always been in a way, a mentor to me. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a very, like, I, I just love the, the way he's, you know, come from it. He was from Melbourne, you know, and he, he took it overseas and he just has this real good presence about him. And, and you know, it's something that I look at and I think, well, you know, if I could produce with him, I'd love to make a record with him. Um, and I just, yeah, it's just because I think he's my idol and he always will be. I think that's something that I will, I will always have to you know, ch- cherish it. But in terms of outside of dance music, if, if we can, if we sure. yeah, yeah. stand on it, I would probably say, I, I'd have to say, you know, the, the very great uh, late Michael Jackson, uh, mm. I would say him because, you know, outside, well, he was the, you know, the first sort of records that I ever had heard when I was growing up. And so um, if, you know, if, if I was obviously in that era, I would love to make records with him. Um, who wouldn't, you know, but yeah, yeah. And um, I would, I don't know, probably Coldplay in, in outside of dance music. I think Coldplay because they're my favorite band. So, yeah, like, I, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, but in the whole sort of, you know, production thing, I think Dirty South would, would definitely be my number one always. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Final question. You're stuck on a desert island. You have a laptop, 
uh, the door you use. What door do you use, by the way? Uh, I use Logic Pro X, but at the moment I'm writing a lot in Ableton. Nice. Uh, mainly a lot of the, the, the trans production is, is all Ableton. My house stuff is is uh, in Logic. It just helps differentiate the two. To, so it That's helps. interesting. Yeah. Ableton's where it's at, though, man. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I have been using. I've used every pretty much every door under the sun. I mean, I, I, yeah. I can't get away from Logic. It's, for me, that's my ultimate, you know, program. But um, for quick productions, I've been producing heaps lately because I've been writing on Ableton, and, and so I think there's inspiration kind of keeps flowing. Awesome. Anyway, so so you're on a desert island. You've got Ableton or Logic. Let's say you got both. Um, a good pair of headphones and the stock plugins that come with both JWs. Yeah. You're allowed three effect plugins and one one synth plugin. What are they? Uh, uh, three, three synths or? No, no, no. Three effect plugins and one synth plugin. One synth, I would have to say, I will go with with uh, the with the generic silent one. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, um, I think the three effects. I I can't live without the CLA two A compressor from Waves. I absolutely love that one. Um, my second one would have to be the Fab Filter Pro, and the third effect unit would probably be. And this is an interesting one. I don't. Um, I would probably say the Fab Filter Saturn. Mm. That's a really, really good, good plugin. I love that. So yeah, it might yeah. be those three. Nice, nice. nice. I like it. All right, well, Marcus, thanks heaps for coming on the show. Uh, and before you go, do you have any last words of advice for the listeners? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I think the best if you if like you know for upcoming producers and stuff, just keep doing what you're doing, and obviously believe in, in what you do. If you believe in your your craft, if you believe in your vision, you'll get there. I mean, I believed in my in my records enough to get me where I am you know and to and and so early on and I've still got a long way to go so I I feel you can achieve anything I guess just stick stick to your guns I mean for me that's probably the best advice I can it's it's a it's a very generic answer but at the same time it makes so much sense and it is very true I, I I used to always hate getting that from you know hate hate hearing that that response from uh producers and stuff like that but now as I'm getting older and a lot wiser, I think, growing up, I, you know, I, I take that with me, you know, not just in music but in life as well and help me make the right decisions. So, I mean, it, it is probably the best piece of advice I can give is just, you know, keep on, the, keep on the right path and obviously don't let anyone or anything get in the way of what you want to do. Fantastic. Awesome, man. 